Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, Is. Hi, Em. Kind of a lighter content day today. Yeah, I feel like they knew it was election week and we just needed to <laughs> use Bravo as a form of escape. I was going to say, I'm not at all mad about it. I actually really kind of like this. Me too. So we're going to do a little bit of Beverly Hills, New York, and Dallas news, and then we're going to get into Sunday Night's Potomac. A lot to discuss there. Shall we kick us off with Beverly Hills? Of course, would love to. So we're starting off today with kind of unexpected, but also there were talks about this news that Crystal Kung Minkoff will join Beverly Hills for season 11. She will be the first Asian American housewife on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Just a little bit about her. She's an entrepreneur. She created this brand called Real Cocoa, which creates these kind of like coconut substitutes for milks, waters, coffee creamers, chips. She has two kids, Max and Zoe. And her husband, Rob, is actually a big guy in the movie industry. He co-directed The Lion King, Stuart Little, Haunted Mansion. And so she will be joining Dorit, Kyle, Garcelle, Erica, and Rinna. And Sutton will be back again as a friend of Housewives. I don't know if she's officially confirmed it, but that's kind of what everyone's been saying. I think due to like all the legal things, same issues as last year, why she couldn't be a full-time housewife is occurring again for this season. So... I'm excited about this. Like, this is just like, we needed a refresh. Obviously, this is coming off the heels of the news that Teddy and Denise won't be returning. So we're kind of, we can envision what our next season will look like. Oh, I'm thrilled about this. Like, aside from the fact that Beverly Hills so badly needed to diversify, and I'm so glad that they did, I looked at Crystal's Instagram, and one, it's always a fun game to play to kind of just see they're following before the announcement and then after, because I think it was announced yesterday and she's at 10,000. So even by the time this episode comes out, I'm sure it'll be more just to watch a climb is always fun. But you can tell she just lives a very similar lifestyle and she's in with that kind of Beverly Hills crowd. So I'm very excited to, I guess, further understand some of the relationships she may have that we don't even know about off camera. Yeah, well, I was stalking her on Instagram, obviously. She seems so chic, so cute, like Dorothy Wang's commenting on her photos. And she posted, one of her posts from last year was at Kathy Hilton's annual Christmas party, a video of Paris DJing. And Kathy was like, oh my God, so fun. So clearly they're friends. Which brings me to my next point, which is very exciting. 
literally 20 minutes before we started recording, Bravo officially announced that Kathy Hilton will be joining as a friend on Beverly Hills. Ah, no, you guys, let me tell you something. This news broke and Isabel and I sent each other the Bravo TV post at the exact same time that immediately called each other and we're like, oh baby. Because we've, we've heard rumors about it. We've talked about it a little bit, but then to see it in writing and for Bravo to confirm it as such an official thing where sometimes they kind of make the friends more of a natural introduction or a natural fit. This felt so like cut and dry. She will be there. She is joining. We don't know how, for how many episodes, how many hours, but she'll be there. And holy fuck, rounding out the Hilton Richards sister trio. No, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And like you said, you know, she's going to bring it now. Does that mean there's more lunches with Kris Jenner? I don't know, you know, possibly. Also, the other thing about Kathy is that she is not new to reality television. She obviously has been on The Simple Life. She was on The World According to Paris and she hosted I Want to Be a Hilton. So that in combination with the fact that just like Kim and Kyle were doing acting growing up, so was she. She was on Family Affair, Bewitched, uh, Happy Days, Rockford Files, etc. So there is something to be said about a housewife that has previous camera experience. It's kind of like what we say about Wendy. Or then there's the Giselle Bryants of the world that just know how to do it. But there's something about someone that has a camera presence already that I think makes them already a better housewife. Totally. And she's no stranger. Chris Jenner's her best friend. No one knows reality TV better than Chris. She's been at all of Chris's parties. Both of her sisters have been longtime original Beverly Hills housewives. Like she is straight up made for this. She's Beverly Hills royalty, literally. And also she's Paris Hilton's mom. Paris Hilton's mom is about to be a fucking real housewife of Beverly Hills and sit down at the reunion with Andy. I'm sorry. Like that is epic. That is epic. And, you know, it's funny because last time when we were talking about Juvenda on Bethany's podcast, and we had that conversation about how, you know, Bethany was kind of saying, listen, this is these women's jobs. You know, people think that it's all fun and games. Like, this is how they're getting their paycheck, which obviously we know, but I think a lot of times that knowledge is lost because of the entertainment element of it. So it's just funny to think about Kathy Hilton, who clearly doesn't need the money, but Bravo is paying her a paycheck. Like, there's just something so crazy when you think about that. Totally. I also feel like this will be good. And this could be an underlying reason of why she decided to do it. But we got to see Kyle and Kim's relationship play out for so many years. We've heard both of their sides of the story. And from their perspective, we've seen how Kathy kind of fits into the equation and how she fits in like with their relationships and whose side she takes on things. So now for her to have her own chance to kind of speak up and also create an image for herself that the viewers haven't seen before because they're not like from someone else's point of view. I don't know. It's going to be fucking good. She, I feel like she's going to come in with like a vengeance, but not in a bad way. She has a story to tell. She wants, I think she wants people, they've been really private. Like her and her husband are very, very private. It, it seems like kind of backwards to say that, but they really are, especially compared to Paris is like the most public person ever. I feel like her parents kind of take more of the backseat in a Nikki Hilton kind of way where they are so famous, but they're not putting themselves out there. So now to see her actually putting herself out there by herself, not because of anyone else, I feel like it's going to be like Kathy Hilton, like we've never seen her before. Well, it literally will be Kathy Hilton like we've never seen her before. And that's my point. That's why when we were talking about this, I was cautiously optimistic, but didn't really think it was going to happen based on how 
much she values her privacy that we learned in the documentary. I didn't know that about her. And then we watched it and I thought, okay, this isn't a good, this isn't a good sign in terms of hoping for the show, but this totally shocked me. And the last thing I will say on this, which I'm just going to mention it here, because I would imagine a lot of you are unaware because how would you be aware? (laughs) But as you know, finding comments is what we do for a living. And so in the process of doing so, we have learned that Kathy Hilton is an absolute rogue commenter. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but what I mean is I genuinely don't think she's ever been explained the concept between there's a difference between like a DM and a comment because you will not, you wouldn't believe it. It's, she will make her nail appointments, her hair appointments, her makeup appointments. She's talking, catching up with old friends. Like the amount of things that this woman will talk about in the comment section, there's no way that she knows that this is being as public as it is. And it is just one of the most entertaining yet also slightly concerning because you're afraid she's going to drop something really secret thing to watch. It's just so relatable because you would think someone with that much access to any help that she could ever want, and also her daughter being literally the ultimate OG influencer. All moms are the same. All parents are the same. She can't figure out the comments. She's writing things that she probably wouldn't want people to be reading. She'll A, a friend will comment on her photo and she'll say, we have to catch up about this, this, this. Even yesterday she wrote, oh, I want I got to talk to you about all those Beverly Hills rumors. Like she literally has no idea. And I, I just feel like I want to help her because I, I know what I would feel if this was my mom doing that. Like mom, no, the little arrow means DM. No one else can see it. The little comment bubble means everyone can see it. So it just, it's just so good. It's so, no, it's so good. It's just every time you watch it, it's entertaining, but it's like this little pit in your stomach of like, oh gosh, she's going to say something that really should be private and it's going to get picked up. But uh, (laughs) Maybe we should send her a little how-to video just to be safe. Yeah. We would, if anybody's listening to this, that has a connection to Kathy. We would love to be the ones to educate her because Paris is busy. It's not her fault, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Can't blame her. (laughs) You cannot blame her. Also in New York news, There has been a lot of speculation, kind of rumors for a while, that Heather Thompson is coming back to Housewives of New York. And remember, she was a housewife for seasons five, six, and seven, and then she was friend of for seasons eight, nine, and 10. So a couple of days ago, Sam Pez tweets, currently witnessing an all-cast filming of Real Housewives of New York in the Hamptons, and I'm shaking. FYI, Heather Thompson is present. She's back. Okay, after that tweet surfaces, she was photographed at lunch with Ramona and Luann, And she was also photographed in the limo from a karaoke kind of thing that they were filming. So we see that. And I think first we're like, okay, there was a reason that on September 10th, she was on Watch What Happens Live. And I know she was there technically to promote her podcast, but I think everybody was kind of thinking like, what's the real deal here? Because it's not so often that we see former housewives on without an ulterior motive in a way. Like there are times, but a lot of the times it's because something is brewing. Um, and then Ebony, who's, you guys know, the new Real House of New York, she reposted a story from this fan account, Real Houses of New York thug. And it said, meet your season 13 cast. And it was photos of Leah, Luann, Ramona, Sonia, Ebony, and Heather. So a lot of people kind of took that as additional confirmation since it came from Ebony. That to me is a little bit, uh, I don't know how much I believe that argument because it was more of a repost, but I mean, when there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. I mean, this is the best smoke ever. I'm, I was indifferent when I first heard these rumors, but now I'm kind of excited about it. I love someone coming back because they know the drill. I also think Heather had a very Bethany Dorinda vibe about her in helping to narrate the story in a way and almost be like the level-headed 
I mean, not during the last season, but she has been this in the past, like the level headed person there to kind of give us like what the real deal, what what's going on. And I also think she would love Leah. I think that's going to be an amazing thing. I don't know if she's on for good, if she's just a friend of like what the deal is. But I also was thinking, so when so when she was promoting her podcast on Watch Happens Live, a couple of days before she's like, I'm going to be on Andy. I have a big announcement. And naturally, everyone was like, holy shit, she's coming back, which would have been epic to announce it that way. And it ended up just being her podcast, which like great for her, but wasn't groundbreaking. But the response that she got on Twitter and Instagram, when people even just thought she was returning and how excited people were and how people all of a sudden were like Heather Thompson super fans. I feel like that could have helped fuel this decision. Like, I don't know what the timeline was, but maybe between Bravo and production and Heather seeing like this coming together of support and celebration of her possibly returning could have swayed this decision to be like, okay, you got to pop up somewhere here. It only makes sense. It's so fitting. Like, let's do something. Okay. Yes. But I have a question, which is when she was actually on the show, you know, for seasons five through seven, and then again, eight through 10, I'm trying to think back as to what the public's perception was of her, because I feel like I I never didn't like her, but I was never like a super fan at all. Yeah. So now I'm thinking, were people that fond of her when she was on? Or is it just people love nostalgia? They're getting fed up with Ramona. They feel like, you know, between Ebony, Leah, and Heather, there would be a lot of realness and kind of the Ramonas of the world would have to not be like, be phased out hypothetically. I don't know. Um, but that's kind of what I'm curious about is like, is this response aligned with the way people felt about her when she was on the show to the best of your knowledge? Like, no. I think it's, first of all, it's a, it's a case of like, you don't know what you have until it's gone. And second of all, when you have a break from someone, you may just start to like them more. People have been following her on social. It's not too much. Also, the cast was at a completely different phase where maybe people felt like they didn't need her as badly. We had Bethany. We had Carol. I think she overlapped with Kristen Takeman. It was just a completely different vibe. And it all depends on like who you're in with at the time. So maybe people, I think people felt like she might be a little bit competing with Bethany or trying too hard or annoying, whatever they felt. But it obviously makes such a difference of who you're next to and what the group at the time is craving. So to me, it feels like she could come back and be even more celebrated than she was. Like people liked her. I don't think people didn't like her. She didn't do anything bad enough for people to hate her. Clearly, everyone loves her now and wants her back. So I do think, too, nostalgia plays a huge part in it. Even houses that we, quote, hated in the past when they were on, if they come back, you are happy to have them there. I agree. And I actually think, to your point about Bethany, if I were to say one particular housewife, maybe not in any franchise, I don't know if I can make that claim right now off the top of my head, but definitely in New York, it's so unbelievable how one person can change the entire dynamic. Meaning like, I really think people's opinions on people would immediately change with Bethany there or not, you know, depending on if she's there, because you're right. I think people may have felt like there's not enough room for two straight shooter types vibe. You know what I'm saying? So there's that, which that leads into a whole other conversation about like the way, you know, people view women in media, but we're not even going to get into that, but it's just an interesting conversation to have. Um, But the second thing I wanted to say, which is unrelated to Heather I don't know what was going on this week, but my explore page on Instagram really just knew me well. 
and they were showing me all of these old videos of Alex and Simon. And you guys, we forgot. I'm telling you right now, unless you just rewatch the old seasons, I can say with 100% certainty, you forgot just like I did about what those days were like. I'm telling you, do a quick YouTube search, do a quick Twitter search. Just watch some old clips of Alex and Simon because it is really a ride. I was sitting there like, how were we so blessed to have this on our screen? And how was I so goddamn ungrateful while they were on? It is, first of all, a tragedy that we forget. Alex and Simon were the first of their kind. (laughs) The first and only. The first and only, right. They were so unique and Simon getting so involved at, at such an early stage in Housewives, like this wasn't about the husbands. They were very much B plot lines. They were, you know, side characters that we weren't supposed to see or care about. We only heard it from the women's perspective. We did get a peek in their home lives, obviously, but Simon like getting involved in the drama and showing up at girls' nights and it was unprecedented. It was like uncharted territory that we forget about. And Alex McCord has some of the craziest, weirdest, funniest moments. I still follow her on Twitter. And like, I don't think she's changed at all. She Instagrammed a photo of her son the other day. And I'm like, oh my God, her sons are teenagers. That makes me feel old. But rewatching New York and Beverly Hills is really a gift that you can give yourself this holiday season. And I highly recommend it. (laughs) It sounds like you just did an ad like for Macy's. I wish, like, <laughs> lay away at JCPenney. Yeah, it's like the gift you want to give your family this holiday season. It's a gift, it's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Cha-cha. <laughs> no, it is. Um, you guys got to watch. It was just amazing. It was a total bug out. And uh, if you're having a rough day, I just highly recommend it. People always ask us, like, what are good movie recommendations? What are good show recommendations? And I'm like, forget all of that. Just watch some old clips of Alex and Simon and you'll be good to go. <laughs> So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, take us into the Dallas news before we dive into Potomac. Okay, it's really been a crazy month for Brandy Redmond. So, She Instagrammed the other day a photo of four decorated pumpkins kind of on her fireplace. And they had the birth years of all each three of her kids, plus one on the end that said 2020. She wrote, we decorated pumpkins for our little pumpkin patch this afternoon. God works in mysterious ways and we are so thankful for his grace and glory. You never know what his plan is, but but he got us in the palm of his hand. So basically she's expecting her fourth child. Just a refresher. 
Brandy and her husband, Brian, right now have three children, Brooklyn, who's 11, Brinkley, who's nine, and Bruin, who's two. And last month, we spoke about this, but Brandy shared that Brian's mother, so her mother-in-law, had passed away after a car crash and that their daughter, Brinkley, was actually in the car at the time of the accident. She was okay. I think she's still healing, but that his mother had passed away, which was absolutely heartbreaking. And we've kind of been through a lot with Brandy and her journey of fertility, adoption, surprising everyone with her adoption. In 2018, they adopted their son, Bruin. And in 2019, they found out that Bruin's biological mother was pregnant again with Bruin's full sibling, and they were going to plan on adopting the baby. But unfortunately, she had a miscarriage and lost the baby. So she's really been through a lot. She shares it all between the show and social media. So this is like a story where I feel like I've been along for the ride and I feel like we all have. And after the absolutely horrible news of her mother-in-law and her daughter being in the car and the loss of Bruin's full sibling, this seems like a really sweet way to welcome the new year. And I'm sure we'll see it go down on next season of Dallas. She didn't say whether it was adopting a child or if she's actually pregnant herself, but Either way, this is just like the happiest news and I'm really happy for them. They're such a cute little family. Oh, yeah. It's the kind of thing where like you wonder, you know, someone, I don't know, I think probably the spiritual people would say like her mother-in-law did this. You know what I mean? Like there's just something. I think when you experience that deep of loss, then to have this emotion of like such joy, I can imagine is just like such a whirlwind of emotions and I can't imagine how they're feeling, but oh, I'm so happy for them. I really... I don't know. They went through a lot and they really deserve so much happiness. Agreed. Okay. Potomac? It's Potomac time, baby. Okay. Before we start, because I want you to lead it off, I just want to say this episode wasn't groundbreaking. However, what I'm excited to talk about here is I feel like as a viewer, you often try to find camaraderie with other viewers in terms of what everybody is thinking. And when I was looking on Twitter, because I always do that just to kind of get a general sense people really were torn. Like there is such a, in my opinion, at least you may have had a different experience when you were looking, but what I saw is people are really split in terms of sides and in terms of like, it was almost as if they were witnessing two different conversations and we specifically have not spoken about this. So I don't know what you're thinking. Um, But I just felt like I maybe were expecting more people to think in one way and they weren't, which I love. I always would rather that. I think it's a much more interesting conversation, but I guess I just wanted to throw that out there. I know, I felt the same thing. Everyone's opinions are so different based on obviously their own experiences, how much of Instagram and Twitter they're reading, how many podcasts like ours or others that give some background information that the show doesn't give us. If they're watching Watch What Happens Live, like there's also who they liked before. Obviously, everyone has different opinions going in. So now, as things get more complex, it's like everyone just has something different to say. And I love reading it, but also, like, I'm so overwhelmed because. I think I think one way and then I read something and I'm like, oh my God, no, they're so right about this. So oh, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I have said this forever and I will say it for until forever. Bravo viewers are some of the most analytical motherfuckers I have ever witnessed in my life in the best way possible. Like <laughs> they really want to go deep. It's kind of, I'm telling you guys, side note, if you listen to our regular podcast, I'm sure you heard about this, but if you haven't listened to Jennifer Lawrence on Heather McMahon's podcast, you've got to do it because she speaks in-depthly about like Lisa Rinna and Luann, and it's just such a good listen. And to hear such an A-list celebrity talk about it for us, it's like, oh my God, yes, we're not alone. She's one of us. 
She's one of us. Okay, take us off. I don't know how you want to start it, but however you do, I'll be here. I don't really either, but we're going to figure it out. So this episode centers around two events. Monique is having her third Not For Lazy Moms live podcast. Wendy is having a Wine With Wendy event that supports Black Girls Vote Initiative. And then also we're sprinkled in with a little bit of Giselle and Jamal's relationship, Karen and Ray's relationship, Robin and Juan's relationship, and of course, the cherry on top, Candace and Karen's, where they stand. Candace is not pleased with Karen. Karen is still week five, trying to be Switzerland in the middle, but isn't succeeding. And it was really an interesting episode. If you're right, it wasn't the most exciting, but it moved us along to see where everyone stands, if anything has changed. And it feels like so long ago, but in real time in the show, this is only about two weeks after the real fight has gone down. So it, it not, not that much can, can have happened because it's only been two weeks and emotions are still really high. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard for us watching it. You're right. It's like such a warped timeline because they're so in it. And for us, it feels a little dragged out, but it's really not at all. Yeah. I mean, and Monique is hosting this event and she's saying that her topic of the podcast is, quote, redefined me. But like I said, we're only two weeks post altercation. And I feel like Robin really voiced this, but I feel like everyone was overall just skeptical of how much can you change and what work have you put in in only two short weeks? Yes. And I just want to make a point on that before we continue because I like Monique. Like, as much as I disagreed with her behavior, I do like her as a person. And I was, what I kind of felt like saying to her was like, oh, I know you think that this is a good move from like a perception perspective, but I think it actually discredits you because I think people think like real healing doesn't come in two weeks. And so her intentions were in the right spot and I think her mind was in the right spot and she she's the type of person she wants to like get it done kind of thing. But I think that her message would have been more well-received if it came a little later, which like, listen, she had this podcast booked. It's not her fault that this all happened within that time frame, but I could understand why Robin and why some of the other ones were skeptical of like, to say you're redefined in a two-week period, maybe we're going to call BS on that. You know what I mean? As much as I believe that Monique is doing the work, I can understand why they weren't down with that. And also to make it like a quote business thing about her company. Yeah. Like you said, it was already planned, but to try to mesh the two things together was not the move because it, it, it was almost like we could see right through you in what you're trying to do and put on this whole song and dance that you are quote redefined and make that the theme of the event when like you could have gone a completely different direction and saved this to be taken more seriously. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, but it kind of just goes to the general point of like, I don't think she, I don't think she was even thinking like that, which kind of you know, the other, like the the counter argument to that is like, yeah, exactly. And that's why she isn't redefined because she didn't have the wherewithal to think that. I don't know. Yeah. Some, you know what I mean? Those are all just different points. Right. Well, so her, so she's saying like, I really, I made a move that wasn't right. I really want everyone to see that I'm a work in progress and see what I'm doing, which like we said, I don't think this forum or medium was the right way to do it. And she went down her list and was calling everybody to invite them. Robin was kind of like, let me think about it. And she's like, I want to believe Monique has changed for the better, but I don't know what to do. Karen is like, yes, I'll be in the audience. Absolutely. It's really important to support my friends, which spoiler alert, Karen doesn't end up showing up, but we'll get to that later. And Wendy is just not having it. Wendy 
is giving her no bullshit. She's like, the last time I spoke to you, you didn't have any remorse, which last time they spoke was at Karen's when they all sat down together. And she doesn't want to be there to support her and this like quote redefining and is basically saying what she did will not sit well with me and it never will. And then the doubling down after really, really rubbed her the wrong way. To me, this podcast is way more symbolic than the actual event. It was like the first physical thing where their actions speak louder than words because showing up to Karen's was right after immediately. They kind of had no choice. But this is proving like where they stand with Monique, whose side they're on, how much they are willing to move forward and kind of like Monique trying to return to quote normal life. It was not, was not working. No, it was not working. They weren't ready to resume normalcy. And that's exactly my point. It's like, I do think that if the women can find it within their hearts, I think it would be amazing to be able to like work through this and, you know, forgive Monique. Obviously that's on them. They have to make the decision themselves. But like, I don't fault them for not wanting to do it in the setting because it didn't feel as authentic as I think she wanted it to. Right. But Ashley shows up, right? And they're sitting down, they're having that conversation. And Ashley, you know, you can tell Ashley's really trying to not let her hatred for Candace kind of sway her thing here. But I think it's a little bit impossible for it not to. But when they're sitting down and she's kind of, you know, being very comforting to Monique, she then drops the bomb, which we have been saying for the last two weeks where she says to her, you know, by the way, Candace asked Karen what she would do if she were in the situation. And Karen said, if it were me, I would press charges. And you saw the look on Monique's face of like pure shock. And to me, that was genuine pure shock. And I felt so personally like validated because that was exactly the point I was making last week of like, I understand Karen's intentions were in the right place. And I'm not even saying there was anything wrong with her saying that. However, Monique was not going to take that well. Right. And Karen, in her mind, I think she knew it wasn't good that she said that and um, it would not go well with Monique if she heard that. But to her, it probably like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. You know, I, I didn't say she should do that. It was more like if it were me. So then to really see how Monique reacted so shocked and upset, you were like, okay, this is a bigger bombshell. Like Karen is trying to make this no big deal. It is a big deal. And Ashley showing up really did show her position. And she was saying like, everyone's turning her back on Monique and I'm not just jumping on that bandwagon. I want to support my friend. Karen didn't show up, which whether she really was sick or not, or didn't want to draw the line in the sand of whose side she's on and physically being there would say more than if she just maybe didn't show up and made an excuse. I don't really know, but Monique also said to Ashley, she's always been antagonizing, but at the end of the day, did she deserve to be physically treated the way that I did? No, she did not. Right. Like Monique is now, I think, coming into a little bit more of this remorseful side that Wendy and and so many of the other ones want her to be. But like, okay, this is important, I think, before we get into the Karen conversation, because I know that'll expand when we get into Wendy's event. You know, Monique says, like in her confessional, she says, I these women want to want me to change. They want to see that I'm changed. However, they won't show up to experience that kind of change. Yeah. And that, that to me is like where I wanted to just pinpoint, like kind of freeze frame and be like, no, let's pause this here. It's not their fault that they didn't want to receive the change one so closely after and two in this setting. That is where there's the disconnect because I think, I think if they, she would have invited them to a dinner, an intimate dinner, their tunes would have maybe been a little bit different. She should have had them 
over for dinner with her pastor, maybe because they're the one quote doing the work together. I I don't know if there is a right answer. I just know that this was not it. And Ashley put it in the best way possible by saying that Karen was the one who kind of pushed the domino of Candace pressing the charges. Not that she made it happen by any means, but she was the one who kind of started, set the fire. And she can't say that she's staying completely out of it if she's going around giving this kind of advice, which to me was so well put because it's exactly what we were saying last week. Like, you can't say you're staying out of it, but then go around to someone who's really impressionable and really relies on you as a source of advice and almost like a motherly older sister aunt figure like Candace does, give that advice and then say, my hands are completely clean. Exactly. Her heart was in the right place, but it was kind of like, just don't say you're not taking sides because by saying that you are. Although she has been really good to Monique and she has been a friend and comforting to Monique. So it's not like she's leaving Monique, but this is the issue with saying that you're not taking sides. You're never going to be as there for one of the parties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think, it, I think, and actually in this case, I think both parties feel like she's not there enough for either of them. Like you're kind of, you're doing yourself a disservice because then all of a sudden you look like the bad guy. You can only be 50% there for either of them without it looking like, oh, you're on her side, you're on her side, you're on her side. It's, it's like a lose-lose situation. Right. And this really came to a head, which I really want to talk about at Wendy's event, Wine with Wendy, where, by the way, she is just such a force. Like she really, really gets shit done. And it's such a pleasure to kind of watch her. She had this event where she brought um, different black women in the community to talk about how, what is the best way to kind of use their voices for the change that they want to make. And she had the founder of Black Girls Vote there. She had a lot of other figures in the community. And she did some really interesting activities. She was role-playing how, you know, if she was one of the uh, people in political office and how they would push back on her statements, like just very powerful activities. So a lot of times you see these events and they're just kind of bullshit as a way to get the women together. That was not this. This was a very legitimate event that also happened to include drama. And so timely. Um, And so timely and just so excellent. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. They're all upstairs. And at one point, Candace and Karen go downstairs together to have this side conversation, which, you know, Candace had already warned Wendy she was going to do. So there was nothing about like them being disrespectful at Wendy's event because I think Candace kind of like asked permission in a way. Um, but they get down there and 
I think, you know, Candace basically confronts Karen as to how she's feeling and saying that she feels like she's not being there enough for her. And I think Karen, we will analyze this in a second. I think Karen's first reaction was like, are you fucking kidding me? Totally. This is kind of the the issue here of like, I don't think Candace would be happy until Karen said, fuck Monique, screw her, I'll never speak to her again. And she just was unwilling to do that. But Candace kind of framed it by saying, I need you to say that Monique's behavior was horrific and that you completely kind of condemn it. And Karen did. But I think that in Candace's mind, she can't see that Karen could absolutely disagree with this behavior and then continue to support Monique. And that's where they're having a fundamental misalignment in terms of their belief on the situation. Right, because Candace, in her eyes, doesn't won't feel supported until Karen is bashing or trying to defriend Monique, which is not the, ever going to be the case. And also, in my opinion, not exactly true. I mean, Candace is accusing her of making excuses for Monique, for coddling her, for choosing a side. And she's like, it's so confusing that you saw what you saw and you can still be so, quote, soft. And even the producers, they flash back to at Karen's house during the sit down when she's like, Monique, what you did was wrong. You have to own up to that. That can never happen again. Yes, maybe she wasn't as harsh in her delivery as Candace maybe hoped she would be or isn't doubling down or giving enough tough love, maybe the way she would do it. But in Karen's way, I really feel like she's not saying to Monique, what you did was okay. She's not saying, you know, oh, everybody makes mistakes. She is point blank saying what you did was wrong. It can never happen again, but I will be here to hold your hand and I won't leave you in the dust in clearly a really dark time for you. Karen just has a a way about her and she's doing it in her way. It may not be exactly how Candace wants it to be done, but even Monique was tweeting like, Karen's putting me in my place. Like she is not letting this slide. No, I really, really agree with that. And I think at the bottom line, it's like, it depends on how you handle things. And I don't think there's necessarily a right or a wrong, but like, you're right. The point that you just made is exactly accurate. It's kind of like Candace wants Karen to handle this in the way that Candace would handle this. And they're just two different people. And so it's not that either of them are wrong. They're just two different people. And like, personally for me, this is just my opinion and other people may disagree. I don't, I am not of the, of the uh, school of belief of like, when someone fucks up, absolutely just leave them and that's how you show them a lesson. I don't think that that works. I think that that's such a big problem in general in our society. Like people need support in order to be able to heal, in order to be able to move forward because if they have nobody that's there for them in their most darkest times, what motivation do they have to continue to want to be better? So like, yeah, Monique has Chris and she has her family, but to have a friend that's going to stand by her and say, what you did was absolutely fucked up. However, I'm not going to just drop you for it. I can't believe that that Karen is now being shamed for that. It's like, I really felt, this is again, just my personal belief, but I personally felt like Wendy and Candace were just mad about the fact that Karen had any sort of compassion for Monique. And it's like, you don't have to think what Monique did was right to be able to understand Karen's position. No, well, that's the thing is like, it's not, it's not about this situation even anymore. It's completely a fundamental thing of how you handle situations. And Karen was like, I, Candace, I stuck by you. I held your hand in the past when you've gone through shit. Why should this be any different? Just because, you know, the way things went down, like it just, that's who I am as a person. And Wendy and Candace are in more of the similar belief of like, this is a true black and white issue. We do not see how you can even see the other side of it. 
And they're not hearing Karen when she says, I do see it, but the way that I'm going to handle the aftermath is not as cut and dry as maybe you would want me to, to like raise a flag and say, I'm on this side. But then it's confusing because like Karen doesn't realize that she's kind of fucking herself over by giving Candace the advice of pressing charges. And now Monique is going to be upset with her. It's like this whole tangled web. And I don't know. I just don't know. I agree. And that's why I liked when Karen said like, I will support you. And by the way, I have supported you when you were going through your shit. Like I didn't agree with every single thing that you were doing, but I stood by you. And so I'm going to give that same courtesy to Monique. And I felt like when she put it in those terms, Candace was maybe a little bit more kind of understanding of it all. And actually in this scene, Wendy was the one that seemed more upset with Karen than Candace. Yes. When she came downstairs, like she had a point to make. She was just saying, oh, I'm going to go check on them. But because Candace gave her the heads up that they were having this conversation, I think Wendy obviously couldn't help but drum up her emotions and figure out what she wanted to say to Karen. Wendy obviously has loyalty to Candace, but also has a very specific way in which she feels about this just for herself. So this was like her opportunity to say what she wanted to say to Karen. And she was like, Monique is justifying this by saying there was a drink thrown on her, which there wasn't. And then Karen is like doubling down also on that there's something wrong with Monique medically and that I will stand neutral with her until I hear the medical reports. And they're like, Karen, where did this come from? I don't know. She was just like throwing out things that she's heard. And it was like kind of not making a lot of sense. Yeah, because the thing is, that's an accurate point. Like if there was something going on with Monique that was more like mental health related, that's a completely accurate point. I think it's powerful, but in this case, it almost seemed misused. Like there's been no indication from Monique's pastor, from Monique, that that was what was going on. So it, it, it almost discredited Karen because it was kind of like she was just throwing stuff out and seeing what stuck. Yeah. And their conversation was interesting because Candace was like, well, this isn't new. She's showed us that she has a violent side in the past, like threats and fights as we discussed, like her history. And Wendy is so adamant there is no middle ground in this. And Karen's like, well, I'm just not going to abandon Monique, like we were saying. And Wendy's like, she has to be held accountable. And Karen says that Wendy sounds ignorant and I will not be badgered into submitting into anyone's opinion. That was the line I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know, the other thing that I want to say about this is like, just because personally, my opinion is that I don't think there's anything wrong with Karen, like not completely shutting off Monique. Like I just can't imagine what that would do to Monique. Um, I also don't think there's anything wrong if Candace decided that it was too painful for her to be friends with Karen if Karen was unwilling to do that. Like, I don't think you're allowed to choose what is reasonable and unreasonable. So if, if for Candace, that what she considers loyalty to be is so important, loyalty to be is so important. Like, I think that's a totally fair point that she's allowed to have just because I don't agree with it necessarily. Like she has to just be honest with herself and say, I actually can't be this close with Karen if she's not willing to a hundred percent condemn Monique and move on from her. Like, I think she has to be honest with herself if that's something that's stopping her. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like, there's a possibility of that as well. Yeah. And I know this is obviously easier said than done, but she just needs to focus on her and Karen. Like she has to put her blinders on a little bit. She has so much going on. I think she's really sensitive to everything and what people are saying and what the group is saying and what the group is feeling. And like, she just needs to focus on the friend that Karen is being to her. Stop worrying about her relationship with Monique pay attention to Karen showing up for you and what she's saying to you. And if she's calling you like that is way more important than what she's saying to Monique. And like, 
you like, oh, just because you're not going to cut and dry cut her off, I can't be friends with you anymore. And the conversation back at the table was really interesting also while they were downstairs with Giselle saying, quote, what bothered me was that Monique was like, she hasn't gotten a lot of sleep in a year. She's been taking care of children. And they're all like, Ashley, you have a newborn. Like, you're not going around attacking everyone. Going off of like what Monique has been saying, all of her different excuses are. And Ashley says, I don't want anyone to think that I'm just arbitrarily siding with Monique because I don't like Candace. Last year, when things were going on with Michael, when Monique and Chris could have said anything about what happened at their house, they chose to tell the truth and not have a moment. And while I don't, while I do believe that's true, Ashley using that as her like point A of why she's supporting Monique was not the move because everyone's like, so you're going to support Monique in this situation because she didn't make up a lie. They said, oh, we were talking about the rainbow party where Michael grabbed the cameraman, which happened at Monique and Chris's house. So she's basically saying because they didn't make up a story, they said, we didn't see or hear anything, period. Because she didn't make up a story, you are now taking her side out of as a thank you. And that's not what she meant. So I was so annoyed when that was like the first point that came out of her mouth because there's so much more to it. I so agree with you. And I was frustrated with that too, Ashley Wise, because she has in the past made such convincing arguments and that just wasn't it. I get it in the heat of the moment, you know, things happen and you don't say exactly what you mean. But like, I knew the women were going to call BS on that and they did rightfully and understandably so. Um, But just to go back to the Karen situation for a second, I think that the question that I have for Candace is like, this woman is experiencing very legitimate trauma. Like that wasn't a joke. You know, no matter how much you may not like Candace, that was not a joke what happened to her. But I guess what I'm having a little trouble understanding is like, is she, and I'm genuinely asking this, like I want your opinion, although she's the only one that can answer this. Is she upset that Karen is maybe not dropping Monique in the way that she wants So she's upset with Karen or will she not be happy until Monique has no one? And so it's less about Karen and more so about the fact that that symbolizes that Monique still has someone in her corner and Karen's just the person being taken out on. That is where I'm, I feel like having a little bit of a disconnect because the way that I see it, Karen has been a great friend to Candace. Karen's friendship to her can only go as far as how much she's a bad friend to Monique in a way. I think it's both. I think it's Candace cannot believe and cannot see it any other way that people wouldn't view the whole situation as black and white as she does. And the fact that Karen doesn't, who and she's someone that she really respects and admires and considers a friend, is just mind-blowing to her. It's like, how can you not view this the way I view it? So she, it makes her second-guess her relationship with Karen, Karen's loyalty, but also probably, if you think that, maybe are there other people that think that? And it's like it's such an insecurity thing of like not feeling protected in what happened and in that I am the victim in all of this. And like, it probably really puts her in a spiral of like, what's going on? What is the situation? And now I have legal involved. Like, what is that going to mean? Like, are there more sides and ways to view this in the way that I'm viewing it? I agree with you, but I have a question. Cause like, that's, that's like a very legitimate and fair feeling for Candace to be feeling like anything she feels in this time is, is valid because of what she went through. So like, that's all very real. But I think what I'm confused on is Karen not wanting to completely abandon Monique to me does not mean that Karen views the situation as non-black and white because she very black and white will say Monique was in the wrong. That should have never happened. However, 
just because the actual altercation was black and white doesn't mean I'm just going to drop her. And that to me is the disconnect. It's like what you want from Karen, if, if what you want from Karen is what you say you want, which is her to say Monique's behavior was wrong, you have that. She'll say that until she's blue in the face. That's not the issue here because that's not really what you want. What you really want is for her to completely drop her. And by the way, if that's what you need to be able to feel safe, just because I don't agree with it, I can respect it. But Karen is just going to have to say, listen, I can't provide what you need as a friend right now. I think because Candace is the one who physically went through the fight, like it happened to her. It is the most mentally and physically draining and traumatic on her. She forgets that like Karen doesn't have that trauma. So to Candace, it's like so much of a bigger thing that it it's so horrible that she would have to cut her off. But because Karen wasn't the one who actually went through it and she's looking at it from a bird's eye view, she's like, I don't need to cut off Monique. I want to be there for her. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, I think to Candace, it's so much more of like a, of course you would either cut her off or not cut her off. But to Karen, she's like, no, there's more intricacies to this. Like it is a little bit more nuanced than what you're thinking. Exactly. Yes, exactly. There's to Karen, there's more nuances that I don't think Candace can see. And by the way, it's two weeks out. I don't even necessarily think it's Candace's fault. Like I, she's not my favorite by any means, but I don't think she's maybe thinking so clearly right now. I don't think any of them are. And that's okay. Like, you know what I mean? This was a fucked up thing that happened. Yeah. They can't just all expect to resume filming and the group activities as normal and having, not having Monique there throws off the group dynamic regardless, whenever anyone's missing, they're so used to this group of how they all interact and whose side and who and the friends and whatever. So not having her. And then on top of it, this elephant in the room, trying to get back to normal and talk about other things. And, you know, they have like funny moments of levity. Like when Robin walks in with her wig and they're all like, what the fuck is that wig? Like Ashley's like, Oh, nice to meet you. Like though, that's what we're here for. And like this is the black cloud that I really do want them to move on from, but also like they have to move through it. They can't just get over it. Exactly. Completely agree. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the season changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And 
I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Is there anything else you want to mention Candace, Karen, Monique wise, or can we quickly move on to Giselle and Jamal? Yeah. Let's just talk relationships real quickly because they weren't the focus of this week's episode, but we're getting a lot of like couples content in this show. And I kind of love it because they're all very interesting. A lot of couples content, especially because that's not what I was expecting going into the season. No, there's so much more going on. So like to pay so much attention to these marriages is like, wow, these episodes feel longer than an hour. They definitely do. And okay, we need to just quickly talk about Giselle and Jamal's car ride when she's driving him to the airport because I was really removing my previous thoughts from Jamal out of the equation. Like I have to in order to be able to watch these scenes because I don't. There's just something about the way that Giselle's father spoke about Jamal that I cannot get out of my head. It's really kind of. Uh, I would be lying if I said it's not not influencing my opinion a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if that's me projecting of like I, I care so much about my dad's feelings on my partners. I don't know what it, that what's going on there, but. And again, before I even continue, do you feel that way at all? Or is that just a me thing? I do based on what the other women have said, but then to hear her dad say it in like a completely loving, non-petty coming from a place of like, all I care about is my daughter. That sticks with you. It sticks with you. And so in this car ride, when they're speaking and she's kind of saying that, you know, she, I think what she was basically explaining is like, she wants it to be more of a together thing. Is that kind of, she wants more time together. She wants, how would you, how would you kind of summarize what she was trying to get across? It was like, okay, I'm done with this figuring it out phase. Like let's make some moves here. Right. And he kind of, at first, when he first started talking, I was like, don't play this bullshit. When he was saying like, well, you wanted to, your individuality, you wanted to do this. But then as he was, you know, continuing to talk, I kind of got a little bit more what he was saying because of the way that she received it. Mm -hmm. And she said, I mean, listen, yeah, you're right. I'm not really forthcoming with my emotions. So I'm being like that right now. And he was like, understood, I'm taking your lead. You know what I mean? At first I thought that it was a defense when he was talking because that's just seemingly his character. Yeah. um, Because he's so used to being on the defense based on the things that he's been accused of doing. But I feel like it actually ended up being a little bit of, of a productive conversation. Yeah, because I, you're right. I, I, at first I thought he was bullshitting. Like, well, you've never point blank said that to me. And I was like, oh, we have, how many times have we been down this road before with right. so many people and arguments? And it's like, oh, I didn't technically say it. But then you're right. It was like, it was 
a good conversation. I, I don't know. We, we don't get enough of the puzzle. Like we haven't really even seen them alone together. So for the first time to see them in this setting by themselves as parents, but also as partners trying to figure it out and the whole long distance thing, it was like, I was trying to infer so much from this short conversation and to get their vibe, but also he may be uncomfortable around the cameras. She's uncomfortable bringing him back, knowing all the things that she and other people have said about him. Like there's so many factors. It's not just easy peasy. Oh, we're going on a little car ride, figuring this out. Exactly. Exactly. Also Karen and Ray wise, you know, when they went to that counselor and they're sitting down and they're speaking, I felt that it was really big of Karen to be able to say to Ray, I need you to thank me for standing by you because it's not that I really need the acknowledgement, but like, I need to know that you appreciate it. And it takes a lot of um, vulnerability to say that. And I know it's her husband, but like for somebody as like Karen, who uh, kind of just paints herself as someone like, I do what I need to do and I get it done and I'm, you know, whatever, like to come down and be like, I need that for my soul. I need to know that you acknowledge that your wife stood by you in that moment. I felt was an important conversation. She needed it. And then also to know what she revealed at that drunken night at Monique's Lake House, that she put up money, a lot of her money to help Ray get out of this financial crisis. It adds even more. Not only did she stand by him and support him and love him and obviously not divorce him and really be like his champion. She also literally gave up some of her money to be there for him. Like she did a lot. She did a lot for him. And it's not so much for her to ask for a thank you. But their conversation was also great. And it really, I, I literally felt like it was everything that we've been saying and what we dissect from them of he, he was like, you know, all these years she's been Mr. Mrs. Ray Huger. And now I am Mr. Karen Huger. And the, you know, he's going into this retirement end of life phase of wanting to just relax and his business is behind him where she's just getting started and launching her business and becoming a housewife and becoming a recognizable figure. So their lives when they used to be so parallel and they were really a unit experiencing the same things have now really shifted. And that obviously creates a strain on their marriage. Exactly. Beautifully said. I cannot agree more. And, you know, I think on to his credit, it takes a lot for him who I think views himself as this like maybe a little bit more of the traditional gender roles to say the point that you just made, but also to even say, to even thank Karen, which to us seems so second nature. She said in her confessional, I know it took a lot for him to do that, which like you have to remove in order to, for me, at least this is how I have to view it. Like I have to remove my current stance of like how I believe like, you know, uh, that, that type of stuff with, with gender roles, because it sounds like total bullshit. But when you put it in terms of their relationship, he's 74, they've been together for 23 years. Like I get what she was saying. If it took a lot for him to say that, because I think for him, it felt almost emasculating, which I know we don't view it like that, but in his eyes, he did. Yeah. And I also see how Karen, she didn't say this, but I kind of put it together. I think she probably went through a long phase of like, I shouldn't need a thank you. I'm his wife. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to soldier up and be by his side, no matter thick and thin, sickness and health. So to come to that of like, you know what? No, I do want to thank you. I did do this from love and I am my own woman now and getting the confidence to say, this is what I need was like a big, was a big thing for her. That's what I, exactly, exactly, exactly. That is the entire point of it. It's like she, to 
to even admit that she needs acknowledgement to feed her soul is big for her. And I'm glad she did it because I don't think it makes her look greedy or self-entitled. I think it makes her look like she's a woman who's not afraid to say what she wants. And I was happy she did that. You go, girl. Yeah. And also, I mean, that moved us into the conversation, which really will unfold next week about you know, Wendy kind of bringing that up to the group because they had no idea about any of this financial burden between uh, Karen and Ray and her paying and her, you know, potential upset towards that. So that's going to be really interesting to watch that unfold next week because for Karen, that's her worst nightmare. And it's funny that it was it was through Wendy who wasn't here the previous seasons and obviously years of their life where they were actually going through the financial struggles and how Karen worked overtime at all times to cover it up. Nothing's wrong. What are you talking about? You know, it's not a big deal and moving houses and the, the real struggles that they were going through, how she really always wanted a bandaid over it. Didn't want anyone to speculate. Didn't want rumors, like everything she could possibly do. She was putting out fires and playing whack-a-mole constantly. So in a moment of vulnerability and drunk to open up about that, now that some time has passed, was like, okay, Karen, like now we're getting into the real shit. Like we don't want this facade of what happened. Like we're really going to find out and it softens her. And it like, it really makes you think like they've been through some shit. They've been through some shit. And I I don't want to draw an opinion yet on the way Wendy handled it until next week, but like in non-housewives world, that would have been really fucked up of this woman having a moment of vulnerability, breaking down about the financial struggle in her marriage, and then like you airing it to the group, but also it's housewives, so like, duh. And also, back to my other point, obviously we'll see this unfold, but maybe Wendy doesn't know that it's a big deal. And Karen just talking about it out loud and being like, oh, I didn't know that this happened to Karen. And they're all like, huh? Like, what happened to Karen? Like, we didn't even know that either. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Although she has to have watched the show before she joined. So I call bullshit on that. And again, it's not her fault. I think the producers would kick her off for not saying that. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like, in real life, it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. Anything else you want to mention at all? Anything in the Bravo world? I think that's it. I think so too. I feel like I just want to make a kind of acknowledgement about Orange County because we've been getting a lot of DMs asking. Honestly, I just, it doesn't seem to us like worth covering. If there's anything major that happens in one episode, we'll talk about it. But you know, these episodes can get really long and I, you can't fake the enthusiasm. And like, we're just not that enthusiastic about Orange County, but starting, I think it's November 11th, we'll do Salt Lake City. So that'll add another show to the mix. Yeah. I'm excited for that. The only good Orange County things are happening on Instagram, I got to say. So I posted a couple comments, but Tamara and Vicky have nothing but time and they've been really spilling the tea. Also, Gina Keogh did the opening voiceover sequence for the first episode which literally had nothing to do with the plot line, but it was like epic. Also, Tamara is recovering from her like CO2. Oh my God. Have you been watching those? Obviously. I, nobody, let me tell you something. Nobody does a Q&A AMA on their Insta stories like Tamara. She cracks me up. She's just fun. Like you don't have to even have to be a fan to just, to just kind of watch in, in uh, pure shock. People were speculating that Vicky and Steve, her fiance, broke up, but I think we just got confirmation it's not true. So, riveting. Riveting stuff. Um, Okay, well, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. Thank you for letting us do this. DM us your thoughts. Please, anything. We love reading them. We genuinely read every single one, and I think it makes us better at our job. So, we love you, and Julie and I will see you on Thursday for our Kardashian bonus show. Bye.